Hello and welcome to the Top Story, a podcast with the headlines of the day from our correspondents around the world. I'm Tsijiu. Coming up in this edition, rescue efforts are underway in two provinces in northwest China as hundreds of people have been killed or injured due to a strong earthquake. Israeli Defense Minister Yoav Gallant says Israel will gradually transition to the next phase of its operations in Gaza. And in the United States, Texas has made it a crime to enter the state illegally and given the police sweeping new powers over migrant issues. We begin with China. Hundreds of people have been killed or injured after an earthquake struck northwest China. The magnitude 6.2 earthquake hit at midnight Monday in Gansu province with a depth of 10 kilometers. More than 100 people are known to have died in Gansu and the neighboring Qinghai province. Thousands of responders are being sent to help with rescue and relief efforts. Authorities have allocated 200 million yuan, or about 28 million US dollars, in relief funds for the two provinces. There have been reports of damage to houses, roads, and other infrastructure. Several villages have suffered power failures and disruption to water services. Chenjia Village is one of the places hardest hit by the earthquake. Temperature there can be as low as minus 20 degrees Celsius. Zhao Xu reports on the overnight rescue work. Most of the houses have cracks or have even collapsed. Firefighters went to search the village street by street. Authorities activated an emergency response right after the quake, and rescuers started to arrive in the early morning. They divided the village into groups, and each rescue team is searching their designated area. And then rescuers started to search every corner of the village. They got into every house that collapsed and asked if there was anyone still trapped. Rescuers also searched the debris for possibly trapped elderly or children. We noticed that in addition to firefighters. More rescue forces have assembled, like medical teams, public security, and armed police, as well as forest firefighting teams. On my way here, I saw that many roads are cut off as a result of the collapsed houses, and armed police stopped on their way to clear the road so that the relief supplies can arrive in time. My personal observation is that there are two major difficulties in the rescue work. One is that electricity is cut off. And rescuers have to rely on their headlights to search. Two is the low temperature. The altitude of Chenjia Village is about 2,700 meters, and the temperature in the night could be as low as minus 20 degrees. Even now, the temperature is only minus 10 degrees. It's a huge challenge for both rescuers and villagers. That's Zhao Xu on the earthquake in northwest China. Turning to the Israel-Palestine conflict, Israeli Defense Minister Yoav Gallant says Israel will gradually transition to the next phase of its operations in Gaza. He suggested the local population would likely be able to return to the north of the Gaza Strip. Efforts to bring about de-escalation continue. The UN Security Council has postponed to Tuesday a vote on a resolution that seeks a new ceasefire in Gaza. Philip Crowther with the Associated Press has more from Jerusalem. The head of the CIA, the head of Israel's Mossad intelligence service, and the Qatari Prime Minister all meeting together in Warsaw, in Poland, to talk about how 
They could possibly work on a deal that would free the 129 hostages that Israel says are still being held by Hamas in the Gaza Strip. Of course, any deal that would lead to a potential prisoner exchange during a ceasefire would have to include Hamas. And Hamas so far has said that it's not willing to enter a deal as long as Israel doesn't doesn't end its war uh, in Gaza. In the meantime, the U.S. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin has been in Tel Aviv the last 24 hours talking about how he would like the Israeli military to move to a next phase in its military operation further away from what U.S. President Joe Biden called indiscriminate bombing to a more targeted approach and, of course, a lower number of civilian deaths. Uh, Lloyd Austin, the U.S. Defense Secretary, saying, though, that he did not give Israel a timetable uh, for the end of its war in Gaza. In the meantime, he might very well have an eye on New York. Uh, we are expecting a vote in the U.N. Security Council on a resolution that would call for an immediate ceasefire, that would also call for immediate access of human humanitarian aid into Gaza, easier access of, of humanitarian aid uh, than what there is uh, right now. The United States, uh, last time around at the UN Security Council, vetoed a resolution calling for an immediate ceasefire. The hope now from other members of the Security Council is that the United States might abstain this time around. That's Philip Crowther in Jerusalem. Meanwhile, Israel's operations in Gaza continue. Fierce gun battles were reported on Tuesday in areas of Han Yunus. Residents said Israeli tanks and planes bombed the areas near the city center. The Gaza Health Ministry says nearly 20,000 Palestinians have been killed and over 52,000 wounded since October the 7th. Beyond the daily bombardment Gaza faces from Israel, there's also the threat of disease spreading in the enclave. The World Health Organization says Gaza's healthcare system is collapsing. Noor Harazin reports from Gaza. The World Health Organization is warning of the risk of the spread of infectious diseases in Gaza, threatening the lives of some 1.5 million displaced people. The UN reports that an increasing number of people have been infected with various diseases, such as respiratory infections, diarrhea, dermatitis, and other diseases related to lack of safe water and hygiene facilities. Raji Abu Abboud evacuated with his family from northern Gaza weeks ago. He says his current shelter, the Deir al-Balah B Preparatory School, does not provide a healthy environment. The waste is everywhere. We even suffer from the lack of food and clothes for our children this winter. All of us here in the Gaza Strip suffer because of these difficult conditions which lead to the spread of disease in epidemics and crowding of clinics with patients. Several factors have contributed to this growing threat of disease, including severe overcrowding of families inside shelters, a lack of running water, failures in the sewage system, and the accumulation of solid waste. All in addition to an extreme shortage of medicines and personal sanitary supplies. Drinking water is expensive and not available. Everything here has become expensive and we cannot find the minimum level of cleanliness. Here we are in the school, very crowded like a flock. Yesterday there was heavy rain that drowned our tents and our belongings. The water collected here because there are no longer sewage lines working, and this is the cause of diseases. 
Officials in Gaza say some 350,000 cases of infectious diseases have been reported in recent weeks. The onset of the rainy season and the possibility of floods have increased fears of overburdening the sewage network in the besieged strip. The absence of fuel has already led to the closure of desalination plants, increasing the risk of water pollution and diseases outbreaks. That's Noor Harazing on the healthcare crisis in Gaza. Also in the Middle East, U.S. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin says several countries have agreed to jointly carry out patrols in the southern Red Sea and the Gulf of Aden to try to safeguard commercial shipping against attacks by Yemen's Houthi rebels. This comes after the Houthis say they attacked two more vessels in the Red Sea. More shipping companies from countries including the UK, Germany and Norway announced they would suspend Red Sea routes. The move is expected to take a toll on the Suez Canal, which could interrupt the global supply chain. Abdel El Marouki reports from Cairo. The Suez Canal is one of Egypt's main sources of national income and foreign currency reserves. This year, its revenues reached a record 9.4 billion US dollars. The route captures about 12% of the volume of world trade. That's over one trillion worth of goods per annum. And the Suez Canal Authority plans to pass the 15% mark within two years. Egyptian authorities says they are closely monitoring the impact of tension in the Red Sea following the attacks by Yemen's Houthis on vessels in the southern part of the basin. Four of the world's largest shipping companies, which make up about 50% of the world's vessels, have said they're temporarily pausing navigation in the Red Sea. So far, the Suez Canal Authority says only 55 vessels in total have avoided the route in the past month. Out of more 2,000 ships, the figure is insignificant. But due to the increase in Red Sea attacks, more shipping firms are now choosing the longer path around Africa to connect Asia with Europe. This is bad news for the global supply chain as alternative routes will add 10 to 14 days to standard shipping time. And if this pause in navigation stretches into the long term, the toll on the Suez Canal is only expected to grow. That's Abdel Maruki in Cairo. In the United States, Texas has made it a crime to enter the state illegally and given the police sweeping new powers over migrant issues. Critics say the law will lead to discrimination, while police argue that it will give law enforcement better tools to work with. Tony Waterman explains. Right now, if someone crosses into Texas illegally, state law enforcement can only charge them with trespassing. But under this new law, which will take effect in March, state and local police will have the power to arrest anyone they believe is in the state illegally, a crime that will be punishable by up to six months in jail. State judges will also be allowed to deport migrants back to Mexico, a power that right now is only reserved for federal authorities since migration law falls under federal jurisdiction. But when signing the bill into law on Monday, Texas Governor Greg Abbott said the federal government and the Biden administration in particular was failing to protect America's borders. Four years ago, the United States had the fewest illegal border crossings in about 40 years. It was because of four policies put in place by the Trump administration. Now, under President Biden, he has eliminated all of those policies and has done nothing to halt illegal immigration. 
2023 marked the third consecutive record-setting year for illegal migration. More than 2.4 million apprehensions in the fiscal year that ended in September. But critics of this new law say it won't solve the problem, and they fear that it will lead to racial profiling, that Hispanics and other people of color will be targeted by police, even if they are already going through the immigration process. Others worry that it could lead to children being separated from their families in legal disputes with Mexico. The law is very likely to face a number of legal challenges, and many legal scholars say that it is unconstitutional because immigration law is only enforceable at the federal level, something that the Supreme Court has, at least up to now, repeatedly held up. That was Tony Waterman reporting from Texas. In Asia, North Korea says it tested an intercontinental ballistic missile to gauge the war readiness of its nuclear force against mounting U.S. hostility. Monday's launch was the most advanced long-range version that Pyongyang has tested so far. Washington and its allies have begun operating a real-time missile data sharing system as South Korea calls for a joint response with the U.S. and Japan. Jack Barton reports from Seoul. The intercontinental ballistic missile test-fired by the DPRK landed in waters just west of Hokkaido in Japan and drew immediate condemnation from South Korea and its allies. The launch follows a meeting between South Korea and U.S. defense officials last week to update what would be a joint response to a potential nuclear attack. A meeting that drew warnings from Pyongyang that it would take what state media described as further offensive measures. Tensions between the DPRK and South Korea have spiked since Pyongyang's launch of a spy satellite last month, after which Seoul also launched its own first satellite capable of observing military movements north of the demilitarized zone. The moves led to Seoul partially and Pyongyang fully scrapping a 2018 inter-Korean agreement that was aimed at reducing tensions and the likelihood of a flashpoint along the DMZ. Following the launch of the DPRK's fifth long-range missile this year, South Korea's President Yoon Song-yeol called for a joint response with the United States and Japan by utilizing their recently established missile information sharing system. That was Jack Barton in South Korea. Recapping today's headlines, rescue efforts are underway in northwest China's Gansu and Qinghai as hundreds of people have been killed or injured by an earthquake. The Israeli Defense Minister says Israel will gradually transition to the next phase of its military operations in Gaza. And Texas has made it a crime to enter the state illegally and given the police sweeping new powers over migrant issues. That's it for this edition of The Top Story, a podcast that brings you world headlines every weekday. For more news in politics, business, sports and culture, you can subscribe to The Beijing Hour, a one-hour podcast news magazine program. We welcome and appreciate all ratings and reviews. I'm Qi Zhi. Thank you for listening.